0: Day, welcome to Sports Talk. Wednesday, I'm Scott, Lauren Tate is here as well. And this is the first hour of a two hour extravaganza dedicated. To the discussion of athletics, particularly the Illini and more, we welcome you to it. We will not talk to one, but two former Iowa football players today. But I think they have valuable insight. Coach Q&A, normally we do that on Thursdays. Nick Cortaro will be with us today because tomorrow will be ramping up for Illinois football. So he's coming up here in a little bit. Going to look at some of the Big Ten games this weekend. A lot of conference play actually starting. Even though Illinois in one more non-conference game tomorrow night, there's four conference games on tap this weekend that we will examine with coach. Next hour, Evan and I will visit with Big Ant, Anthony Heron, former Iowa football player, NFL player as well, Chicago score personality and analyst as well. And he'll be on the television analyst call tomorrow night at Memorial Stadium. So he'll get his thoughts on the Illini as well. Last day of summer, Lauren Tate. Get it all in. It's going to turn cold tomorrow. It's going to feel like football weather finally.
1: We'll you going to, you're going to pull out the sweaters? Well, I'm, I'm, all I know is I'll be walking home at midnight from the stadium so that will, to my car. Oh, so you don't have to walk all the, all the way home. home you got, but you it's, got it's cars a, it's now. It's a good little walk, and, and uh, it's going to be a little chilly tomorrow for the first time. Do you think and you'll I, be
0: walking I, home after a win or a loss?
1: Well, I think Illinois will. I see there's 17-point favorite, seventeen point five favorite. And I, I think that is about right. I don't think it's a walkover, but I think that you know, uh the difference between these teams is the the difference between most high division teams and and the lesser division. And the reason is that these guys may just may have a talents in two or three different ways, but when you measure them, for instance, they're Running back is five nine. Their receiver, their top receivers are five nine. Their top defensive uh, linemen, instead of being three hundred, are two hundred and sixty or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the difference, and, and and it's a few pounds and a couple of inches, and you can make that up in a game, in a single game. But that's why they weren't recruited by the top teams because they don't fit the. When they go out, if you're if you're not at least six. Three or six four. They don't even want to recruit a lineman, uh, an offensive lineman at six three. They don't want to. If a guy is really really good, they'll do it. They want six five, mm-hmm. six six. I
0: once heard a volleyball coach to go on this trajectory here and yeah. say, uh, you know, all the time I hear, and this was not Chris Thomas. This was another volleyball coach. All the time I hear, hey, hey, coach, I've got uh, this player. She's five foot nine. She's five foot ten, but she's got a lot of heart. She's got Tweener. super skill. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> can't use you. Same with football. Mm-hmm. It's to some extent, same with basketball, right? You just, you've just you got to be able to match up, and you're right. You can make up for that in a game, but you can't make up for it in a season, and that's why They're most receiving. of these guys are and not And recruited. by the
1: way, uh, we've got a receiver uh, on our team, Isaiah. Yeah. And he's he's not tall. He's short. I mean, relatively. Yeah. But the, the receivers for— uh, I
0: was standing almost eye-to-eye with him the other day when we were interviewed.
1: do you think he is? 5'10, 5'11". Okay. Well, Phillips and Watley. Uh, Ch- I don't know what he's listed at for Chattanooga. Sam, uh, Sam Phillips and Javon Watley. J- they are the starting uh, and the standout receivers. They are five eight and five nine. And that—that's why if they were six one and six two, they'd probably be at, at uh, an FBS school. Yeah, and that, that's a, just you know that's a guess. I'm just using that as an example. I mean, but. Uh, And they've got a defensive lineman that's a pretty good player as a junior, 6'3, 220. If you go out there at 220 to play defensive line against these 315 pound blockers, you're giving up nearly 100 pounds. Mm -hmm.
0: Over the course of a game, that should wear you down, won't it? Yeah. But stranger things have happened, and that's why they got to play the game. Of course, Northwestern lost to SIU, so. Everybody was put on oh, well, notice yeah,
1: yeah everything can anything can happen, but I'm just citing the reasons why and and just because you're a few inches shorter doesn't mean you can't be better I mean look at the guys that get in the NFL that aren't six feet there' are plenty of them oh yeah, plenty I mean, of them
0: you're not automatically ruled out, but just in in for eighty ninety percent of guys that are quote undersized, you don't have a chance. But there are the, the, those fringe guys where the talent is just too much and you have to, you know, they can make it or their their heart or their or their skill all well, comes together.
1: This is our fourth game and, and anybody who has played four games for Illinois this year will then, if they play any more games, they would lose this year of eligibility. You can play four games and and not lose any eligibility. Mm-hmm. Come back next year with four full years. Right. State.
0: And that applies to anybody, right? Anybody? Yeah, it does not. Yeah. If you're a, if this is your senior year, yeah, and you have not previously used a red shirt, and you only play four games or fewer,
1: mm-hmm. you can play again.
0: Yeah, you have only so many years to complete all your years.
1: Well, uh, I don't know about that. And when, well, when we with see COVID, guys playing seven, that we see waivers that are getting guys in for a seventh year, and we've got several guys in for a sixth year. Palchewski's this his sixth year, and also uh, our centers at six years. So, you know.
0: Well, yeah, COVID had something to do with that. Well, yeah. And, and, and waivers that's true. and medical. It did. Yeah. But it st- used to be you had five years to get four done.
1: I bring it up on this four-year thing because the coach has made such an issue this week talking about the use of Bailey, Ackes, and, and the Rooks, I think, as the three-main guy. Bailey. Hank, uh, ba- Bailey. Bailey,
0: Ackes, and, um, Beatty. and, well, and well, Beatty. Oh, yeah, oh, Rooks, also yeah, the cornerback. I, yeah.
1: I think those four yeah. look like they're going to play – uh, I don't know the status of Sean Miller. He got hurt, so whether he can get back and and go beyond four games, I doubt. Because, but I just find that there are 35 freshmen on the Illinois uh, freshman team, 35, and and not obviously about half of them are are scholarship, and there's there's just not much there, really. There's not. This is this is a this is a weak freshman class overall. Uh, they 've got six offensive linemen who we don 't know anything we 're not going to know anything about these guys this year, and we 're probably not going to know much about them next year th- These guys don't need about two years before they start really um, jumping into the into this rotation they 'll be in the, some will be in the rotation next year, but not as starters i don 't see and it's it's just uh, well there 's only one senior on the offensive line by by class
0: yeah. by class and that 's Palcheski. The other four are juniors. Pinkstrom? Pilstrom. He's listed as a junior. I'm not telling you. I'm not saying he's been here. This is his uh, sixth year, but he is classified, I think, as a junior. Am am I mistaken? I don't know. But you're right. It's his fifth year.
1: Uh, Okay. He came in out of high school in 2017 Oh yeah, music. he's been here forever. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. 22. This is his 6th year. I ha- may have transferred in the book as a senior. Oh, my bad. I I transposed okay. that wrong. So they so they got two guys out who are going to be gone. Good
0: thing this is just rehearsal and not live.
1: And but the but my point is they're they're going after junior college transfers. They even got a they've even made a an offer to a junior college player this just in the, this week. And the reason they're doing that is because they need some experience in those positions at least somebody that's played a little bit they're going they're i they're going to have they could have well they're going to have two junior college transfers starting this year and next year they could have another mm-hmm. and these guys will be back but i'm what I'm trying to talk about is a freshman class with uh, with Okla and Whiteknack and Leonard, and they've got some good prospects, but these guys are going to need time before they're going to be able to play. And at the linebacker situation, I'm not sure what the, what the long-term future there is. But you got to have two linebackers, and, and you really need four. Darkangelo, this is senior year. He's this is final year, so and he's starting at middle linebacker now. And the problem with with, with the defensive line is that if we've got Randolph who looks to me like he's on the edge of turning pro, and Johnny Newton is right there with him. Mm -hmm. They, as a combined duo, have uh, have put more pressures on quarterbacks this year than any duo in the country.
0: Now, last year, we talked about it yesterday with Robert. You had anticipated that this year would be the, the quote, falling off year Mm -hmm. in terms of talent, and it turned out not to be the case. So does that give you any solace or hope that it won't be the case again if you expect it to be again the (laughs) the case?
1: You're losing too much to to have high hopes for next year because you're you're losing those four key defensive backs. You're going to put a whole new defensive backfield out there. Nicholson will be back, but the other four are going to be gone. And then – the linebacking situation, as I said, D'Arcangelo uh, seems to be our best tackler, uh, and he's going to be gone. And the defense if the defensive tackles leave, woo. I don't say they're going to leave, but I mean there's a lot of talk about Newton and Randolph both considering uh, turning pro after this year.
0: Well, there are players out there to be had, but but it's a, a huge Well, test. I, I'm he,
1: sure that he's going to hit the the transfer portal hard. He has to, to make these replacements. And uh, you've got to find a couple more offensive linemen. They've got a lot of offensive linemen in the, you know, in the, in the class, but the defensive linemen are just really thin.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know how this defense repeats itself like it has.
1: Well, Avery and Woods will be gone next year. Yeah. And Woods is a good backup, and Avery's been starting. It knows. I mean, it isn't that they won't have players. its is can you have somebody develop the way Keith Randolph has developed? In the last two years, he went from a high school basketball player who's well-known uh, until now he's just a, a super uh, defensive tackle in the Big Ten and maybe an NFL player. So th- this is this is going to be th- – That's it's really going to be hard to sustain the growth that we're having this year, and in order to do it, he's going to have to do it like the way, same way the basketball team is. You're going to have to replace a lot of people with people that are really good from other schools. Before we
0: get to Coach Q, just wanted to touch uh, for a moment on baseball, the White Sox.
1: That was a tough loss last night. That's a season. That's a tough one.
0: As a loss. season. I know it's not mathematically over, but it's, well, remember, now they're, now they're five games out, but it's really six. Yeah. Because there's no game the two
1: lead, And the guy slides in home and he's safe by a fraction, you know, and then, uh, then they get in the extra innings and they both score two runs in the 10th inning and then they lose in the 11th.
0: Uh, it's it, it it once it got to extra innings, you just that was it. But you know, there was Cleveland made an error, but there was also fielding issues for the White Sox
1: again. And did you see the the play at home plate where the the player was con- was easily safe, and they couldn't uh, they couldn't bring it up to the uh, officials because they had run out of of. What challenges call? challenges yeah they run out of challenges I didn't actually see the play and and the and the guy was I mean he was so safe it was unbelievable White Sox got a break there Yeah. so it's
0: uh, I don't know it's maybe time to uh, start making some tea times if you're the White Sox well, for October right.
1: and it's been that way the whole season it isn't there's never been a time when you ever felt really good about what what was going on with the White Sox they started out slow and they've just been sputtering ever since
0: the Brewers, uh, by the way, beat the Mets today 6 to nothing, And uh, the Cubs will play the Marlins tonight. There's another one with the White Sox. And Cleveland will join it up late after the uh, Bielma show tonight. And the Cardinals continue against the Padres. Continue your, uh, your Albert Pujols watch. I don't know if he's in the lineup. Uh, well, Blake Snell is the starting pitcher, so might well see him. Pujols in the lineup tonight. Yeah,
1: they're, they're going to play him a lot going down the stretch, aren't they?
0: Yep. All right, we'll talk some Big Ten football. Coach Nick Cortaro, Coach Q&A, when we come back on Sports Talk. Wednesday, Sports Talk continues here on News Talk ninety three nine FM. Lauren Tate, along with me, Scott Beatty. For the first hour, you can weigh in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, which is 217-351-5357. A lot of teams are turning to conference play. That's some of what our focus will be here now with former coach Nick Cortaro joins us here once again for his weekly segment Q&A, Coach Q&A. Nick, good to have you with us. Enjoyed hearing you on Monday with Bob Stoops and great to have you here on the afternoon side once again.
2: Well, as always, great to join you guys, Scott and Lauren. How are you doing?
0: No complaints, and I will be even. I will be better tomorrow when, when the temperature drops a little bit <laughs> and we have normal football weather.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, we, uh, you're right. Tomorrow's the first official day of fall, so let's get into that same type of nice, crisp, cool air and. You hear the pads crack a little better and all that good stuff when it's that kind of weather.
0: That's that's what it's made for. You know, it's a Thursday night game, and and uh, Coach Bielma has said, "I prefer routine." Uh, you know, you get the you just you know the rhythm of a Saturday football game. What you what you're doing which day? So they've had to adjust, but at the same time, you've got a few extra days now to prepare for a conference game in Wisconsin. So do you think on the balance this works out well for Illinois?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's absolutely no question that the way the schedule is structured, uh, this fits in perfectly. And uh, obviously having a little more time, one to rest, heal up, et cetera, focus on Chattanooga. And, And we all know, too, that there's been plenty of work done during the spring, and summer in preparation for uh, Wisconsin, which will come up here in another 10 days or so. So, yes, I think the schedule sets up great, given the way that it is for the uh, Illini. And then, of course, how it sits for Chattanooga come tomorrow night and for Wisconsin next week.
1: Uh, Nick, before we get off this uh, the, the schedule thing... The, there's a commissioner's proposal out right now that that hasn't gone through the legislative process yet, in which the white week zero start is going to be maybe made permissible for everybody, and I think the fact that Illinois has been able to get a waiver on that two years in a row and play in that, I think everybody wants to play in that day. We had four, we had eleven games this year on that date, and I I just see this happening for two reasons, and I, you can comment on number one uh the extra the extra open date is what everybody wants along the season and the other thing is when this twelve team playoff comes in December's really going to get busy and uh, you know they, they need to push everything up a week i think just to get everything between the bowl games and and exams for students and conference championship games and all that i see i see the week zero game becoming week one what do you think
2: Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, Lauren, for sure. And there's no doubt that the extra bye week is a big deal. And, you know, we as fans really don't sense what these uh, players go through on a 12-month basis. And so when you really look at the amount of time they spend training, working hard, doing all that stuff, in the summer, I'm not talking preseason, but summer and then leading into preseason – and then, of course, stacking up 12 games and traditionally just one bye week. But if you do plug the week zero in there, you can get two bye weeks. And, again, these guys train like crazy. And it's really sure to get bigger, stronger, and all that. But the biggest thing is try to fend off any potential injuries. Have a strong body so you can play this game in a physical manner. So I think you hit it right on the head, and I don't think there's any doubt that we'll – we, meaning college football, will be working that direction here in the next year or two.
0: Coach, Q&A segment. All right, let's get to it with four conference games on tap for this Saturday. And uh, I'll just go in chronological order. The morning game, Michigan and Maryland in the big house. Here's two and O teams, Coach, and uh, the gap between them, perceived gap at least, couldn't be further. How do you size it up?
2: Well, I think there is a large gap. First of all, I think people forget that Michigan actually won the Big Ten last year. You know, it's almost like an afterthought that, oh, well, Ohio State, you know, preseason higher-ranked team, they should win the league and all that good stuff. And I think Michigan's kind of taken that personally, like, okay, we'll show you what we can do. And they have not played anybody. They've averaged 55 points against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. And I don't know if anybody made this note. It's kind of a little trivia. But all three of those schools had new head coaches and new staffs. Why? Well, because the programs weren't very good. So, yes, they were Division I schools. They were a group of five schools, but they weren't very good. So Michigan rolled, uh, you know, big time over those folks. Maryland, really not much of a difference, although they played Buffalo, Charlotte, and SMU. But SMU gave them a heck of a game last week. Uh, the Turps were down 27-20 going into the fourth quarter and had to rally for 14 points to win that one. But in my opinion, it's, it's, it's Michigan's power and combination of power and speed against Maryland's skill. Uh, Tonga Vailoa, uh is third in the nation in passing. Terrific young player, every bit as good as his older brother with the Dolphins. He's got a nice receiving core, and they've run the ball, bit, but again, against these people that I talked about, Michigan, on the other hand, has run it well. They've passed it, as you all know, and a lot of people do. They've gone to J.J. McCarthy now as their uh, number one quarterback after messing around a little bit with McNamara. So uh, I think they are poised to put up a lot of points, whether it's against the Big Ten defense or not, and I'm not sure if Maryland will be able to score enough. And uh, again, you guys know I say this every week, I'm not a Vegas guy, but I see the spread 17, and quite honestly, I think Michigan playing at home and on a role that they are, I think they're on a mission, I think it'll be a pretty convincing win.
1: Where would Maryland be if they were in the Western Division? Where would you place them?
2: Oh, boy. Excellent they'd they'd score some points in this division. Yeah, oh, yeah, they'd score some points for sure because – they're not quite like Purdue in the sense that it's pass first, run second. But they're skilled people, Lauren, in yep. terms of throwing it, running routes, and catching it are really as good as most people in this league, both divisions. So I think they'd be toward, certainly out of the uh, seven teams in the West, they'd be in the top three for sure, I think.
0: Next game, I'm, I, I, I may be most curious about this game in the uh, how for real are they Minnesota at 3 and 0 has played nobody kind of like Michigan maybe they've played more of a nobody than Michigan has <laughs> but they're on the road against Michigan State so the Gophers at 3 and 0 against uh, Michigan State in East Lansing uh, the Spartans are 2 and 1 of course coming off that loss to Washington and and the Gophers are only slight favorites on the road
2: right and to be a slight favorite on the road i think says something i think what it says is speaks more about Michigan State. Had Michigan State gone to Seattle and played the Huskies of Washington last week a little better, I think it'd be even or maybe even uh, Sparty by a couple of points. But they went out there, and the first half was dominated so strongly by Washington. Uh, Former Indiana quarterback Michael Penix, you know, was out there. He threw for 397 or something like that. And uh, Michigan State's uh, secondary really, really struggled. They didn't get any pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, and really, what one thing that did stand out, and give credit to Mel Tucker and the defense, they, they kind of got shredded in many cases. But when Washington got to the four-yard line three different times, three different possessions, they only got one score out of that. Michigan State stiffened up, which I think says a lot about their character. But they've got to shore some things up in the passing game. Now, how does that play out for Minnesota? Uh, Last year, Minnesota had one of their most historically successful defenses. They were outstanding in national rankings, top 10 in just about everything. And they've got a lot of those kids back. The coordinator's still there. Joe Rossier, does a super job. And I think Minnesota's really hanging their hat, as they always do, on being more physical. And I know that was an issue last week for Michigan State in the trenches out in Washington. So I think that's maybe the nod for Minnesota is being a little more physical. Of course, they've got Mo Ibrahim, terrific running back. Uh, they've got tight ends. They had to replace a lot of old linemen. But I'll tell you what, those guys have come along, at least as you said, uh, Scott, against the people they've played. We can't, you know. Uh, put a total lot of stock in that, but by the same token, all you can tell is what they've done so far. But I like Minnesota. Everybody thought they might have a shot to win the Big Ten West. In this game, even though it's a crossover into the other division, this game has huge impact on the overall Big Ten West uh, run with the Gophers if they can get this one.
0: Yep, and Illinois will play both. Uh, Minnesota has a West rival in the crossover with Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And those are both mm-hmm. games at Memorial Stadium as well. All right, the next one on tap. I'm calling it the Coach Q Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> with your former school, your alma mater, Iowa, taking on a team you, you coached as well, Rutgers, in Piscataway. Yep. And, yeah, um, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say this for some really strange reasons, and I'm not trying to be funny, has the makings of really an interesting battle. Now let's start with this. First of all, both offenses have struggled. Okay, we all know you know Iowa's situations well. Documented. Uh, finally, last week they showed some signs of hope against uh, Nevada in that in a lightning delayed debacle that they had go on for about almost seven hours, but they did find a way to throw and catch it a little bit. They ran the ball a little bit better and overall gave Petris a little more support, so he looked okay. That was a big deal. Iowa's defense continued to show up. I think they're giving up four points a game or something in three games, and uh, they will be there doing the same thing this week. Rutgers, on the other hand, uh, they haven't thrown a touchdown pass this year. Huh. They're challenged a quarterback because the sixth-year guy – uh, Noah Vegrohl, who transferred from Nebraska a few years ago, he has not played so far this year. Coach Shano's been real coy about not sure who's going to start this week and all that, and so he's played a couple young guys, Wim Scott, who's an excellent dual threat guy, and uh, Evan, you know, second year guys. But last week against Temple and they won sixteen to fourteen, they did not score an offensive TD. And they threw for a total of 59 yards. So, you know, it's really, really a strange matchup. And, you know, I cut my teeth uh, under Coach Snyder as a tight ends coach and special teams coordinator have special affinity for the fact that two punters, two of the best in the country, not just the conference, but two of the best in the country, will really factor into this game. Uh, Taylor for, for the Hawks and uh, Adam Korsak for Rutgers. They're both Aussies. They're both specialists at killing the ball inside the 10 and five yard line. And when you play as good a defense as Rutgers and Iowa plays, it's really going to come down to field position and who can put a few points up. So Iowa's favored by seven and a half. I think that's legit because Rutgers has struggled offensively so badly. If Vegual comes back, the veteran guy quarterback for Rutgers, if he's in there, they got a chance to, to throw it a little bit. But overall, I think uh, Iowa's going to have a big advantage in the trenches going against Rutgers' offense.
0: Might be a one-run game. Yeah, I think Rutgers <laughs> is going to need some
1: turnovers.
2: <laughs> well, well, you're right. You're right. And that's the whole thing. You know, uh, Iowa has prided themselves on, you know, during Kirk Francis' time, of uh, taking care of the ball, but also that defense getting it away. They about led the nation last year in takeaways. So, you know, if they can do that uh, and Rutgers has to play a clean game, you're right, no penalties, no turnovers. Hope they get a bounce of the ball their way. And the fact that it's under the lights out in Piscataway, maybe that's an advantage for Rutgers. They'll have a nice crowd and some energy and all that. But if I was got the hopes to get themselves squared away and back you know, in stride, so to speak, to make a run for the Big Ten West, this is, uh, this is a must game.
0: All right, and then finally the marquee game uh, of the evening, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Here's my question. What advantage or disadvantage will Illinois have when Wisconsin returns to play Illinois coming off a loss?
2: <laughs> well, you know, the, the odds are that Wisconsin will be coming off of a loss. And and, and the uh, advantage for Illinois is, is uh, well, let me look, I'll tell you this. If Wisconsin takes it on the chin pretty hard, and that's possible because Ohio State is so explosive. But on the other hand, Badgers play good deed. Jim Leonard's defense hopefully will try to contain and at least limit Ohio State's uh, tremendous explosive attack. But they're going to put up points. Ohio State will put up points. So what kind of team emotionally will you find when the Illini go to Madison? A week from Saturday. I think that's really the, the key thing. Right now, uh, they have a new coordinator running Wisconsin's offense. So as far as uh, Coach Bielema, Coach Walters, the defensive staff, they'll have a chance to see more of Wisconsin against a better competition compared to what they've played so far, although they did play a Washington State and lost. But the other two games really weren't much of anything. And I think again, going up there as well know, hostile environment, Big Ten, great, you know, uh situation to have a motivated crowd. I think it depends on how Wisconsin plays this game. If they show good things on offense against an improved Ohio State defense, if they're able to play solid D, even if they lose the game, but come out of it with a lot of positives, obviously that'll play well into the Badgers' motivation waiting for the Illini. But there'll be plenty to learn for uh, the Illini staff and they'll have a little extra time to sit and digest it and put together a good game plan for, uh, like we say, uh, 10 days away.
1: This is this time, uh, this scheduling situation has just worked out perfect for Illinois and all the extra time here to work. Last week they worked on a lot of things that you know you wouldn't be able to get to during the regular season and now they've got more time to get ready for Wisconsin. So you can't complain about that aspect of it, can we?
2: No, not at all. And the other thing I'll point out, and I know that uh, Coach brought it up, maybe in a press conference or something, I remember hearing or reading, and this is what most teams do during a bye week. You also use a little time for developmental players, mm-hmm. you know, guys that may not be getting a lot of reps in games, and just try and keep bringing them along because you just never know when one injury or a rash of injuries at a certain position, you might be looking at a guy that you were hoping to redshirt or figured he wouldn't get on the field this year, and all of a sudden he's a legitimate backup going into a particular game. So the time to use for developmental players like they did this week and other people do during the bye week is really important. And and if Illinois can take care of business and get out and, jump out to a strong lead and and maybe have a chance to get some people in tomorrow night that will further help the development of the guys who are kind of down the depth chart a little bit. As well. No, it's a long season. It's a long physical season in the Big Ten, and depth is the name of the game when you start slugging it out every week.
0: Coach Q, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for adjusting your schedule too so we can do this on a Wednesday with a Thursday game. And uh, it's been fun to talk as always.
2: As always, and we'll be back in business next Thursday.
0: Looking forward to it. Thanks very much.
2: Thank you, guys. Take care.
0: Nick Quartaro, former assistant coach in all kinds of stops, including Kansas State, Iowa, Rutgers, and knows his connections to, well, coaches all over the country, but the number of guys he knows, he could walk in right now to the Illinois coaches' room if they were all there, and he'd walk in, and more than half of them would go, hey, Coach Q, there he is. So he
1: he's going to walk into the into the the squad. I wonder what uh, Coach Gunther had to say to the team today.
0: Oh yeah, Ron Gunther is the honorary captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on with Brian this morning on a penny for your thoughts. If you missed that, yeah, and he's going into the Hall of Fame. Want to touch on that and a few other things? We'll come right back. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Mm-hmm. back on sports talk just talking during the break Ron Gunther most people remember him as the athletic director here mm-hmm. but he was a really good football player but i don't think and i don't mean this is a slight well, his athletic directing is what puts him in the hall of fame for well, illinois the
1: combination, it was a combination. i mean he was an excellent excellent football yes i am yeah it's not and, a slight he's a, he's the team MVP that year yeah. the year after uh, Butkus and Grabowski, as I recall, and uh, you know he was uh, he was special as a, as a guard. I mean, you're not going to have many guards that make Hall of Fame. You know, it's just a yeah. position that, that nobody notices. It's an them. unsung. He, pl- they yeah. they must have noticed something about him because they voted him MVP.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize now he's helping with the the officiating.
1: Oh, he's I, always been doing that. I yeah. didn't realize that he's been doing that for years, and he he's the one that he's among those who watches the games at, on television he he's in there with the uh the commissioner and a number of other people and i'm sure the uh the, the guy in charge of officiating is there and they they re- review the film as it goes along and then he takes calls on monday i'm told uh when people have complaints and things that they he's one, he's the one of the guys that answers uh on mondays
0: Big Ten officiating helpline how may i help you <laughs> <laughs> We think we got robbed. <laughs> By the way, Ron Gunther was a football coach as well at, mm-hmm. at North Central College, that's which right. is in Evan Kahn, if he was here, Naperville, Illinois. So there okay. you go. I grew, up, I grew up only a few miles from North Central College. But I was born after Ron Gunther left there. But anyway, he's, uh, he's, he's a good guy. And I think between the contingent that is coming to celebrate with Ron Gunther and the contingent that's coming to celebrate with Jeff George, just from a football standpoint... I think you got half the alumni coming back.
1: Well, you we got quite a few, and and I heard Zook may even show up. Really? I did. Yeah, I heard that today. You want to invite him to come on a show? <laughs> sure. <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> you want you want me to call him or you want to call him? I don't, I'll let you call him. <laughs> okay, you sure about that? <laughs> back to transition to hour two in a moment. You're listening to sports talk on DWS. Had a good time talking to Coach Q this hour. Next hour, Anthony Heron will be on the television call tomorrow for Illinois and Chattanooga. He's a Big Ten analyst, Big Ten network analyst. He's also on WSCR The Score in Chicago covering the Bears and more. He's a host, regular host up there as well. So look forward to that conversation. Evan Kahn will be in for that. A few more minutes here in this hour. Chicago Bulls guard, Lauren Tate, Lonzo Ball, undergoing a knee surgery. An arthroscopic debridement of his left knee could keep him out for the start of the regular season as the team announced he'll be reevaluated in four to six weeks.
1: More playing time for Io Sumo. Last year, uh, Ball was out for a while, too. Yeah. So, uh, I was going to play a lot this year.
0: It's not particularly good news for the Bulls, but it does maybe benefit the playing time of of Io. They got Kobe White, Alex Caruso, Goran Dragic, mm-hmm. Dragic, whatever you want to
1: call it. How good will the Bear, How good will the Bulls be this year?
0: Better than the Bears, <laughs> I believe. The Bulls will hey, win more.
1: 500. G-
0: I believe the Bulls <laughs> will win more games than the Bears.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, well, the, you know the Bears got uh, got Levy Sunday. Yeah, I wonder what that return will be like. Uh, well, was, I don't think it'll be a big deal. I mean, it's been a lot of years it's since been he coached up there. I course.
0: think it's harder on Lovey probably than it is on the the Bears front office or the fans because it's been so long. But I mean, I, I you know it's still the still the place that fired him.
1: Well, I'll say this: if you look at Lovey's record the last X number of years, it's not very good.
0: Yeah, but he didn't have Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, and now he's got (laughs) Houston. Which, for the fourth largest city in the United States, should have a better football team, don't you think? Mm -hmm. It's a relatively new franchise, but it's not that new. I don't know. Uh, Okay, Cardinals baseball tonight. They're the late game against San Diego, Cubs in Miami, White Sox in Cleveland. The White Sox, I I think it was sweep or be done. It's they they're almost better off setting their sights on the wild card at this point.
1: Well, they're but set their sights on trying to win as many games as they possibly can, however it would take, you know, whatever it takes. And it's just been too much of a bumpy season to, to have any confidence about it at this point. And by the way, the Cardinals, are, they've had one run in the last three games, haven't they? And that was a the, the, the runner that scored for the Cardinals, the only run they scored in, what, nine, tw- 29 innings. The only run was a guy that was a ghost runner that was put on second base when the inning started. <laughs> they haven't been a legitimate run in, in three games.
0: By the way, do you know the Big Ten basketball team that now has a top 5 2023 recruiting class? It is Ohio State.
1: Yeah, they just picked up a really good player, didn't they?
0: Tayson Chapman committed to them yeah. over offers from Kansas, Virginia, Xavier. Mm-hmm. And Minnesota, he's from Minneapolis, so he had them in their his final
1: five. Ohio State's always right on the edge. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they they could bounce up and win it any year.
0: Yeah, well, they've built up a recruiting class for next year. Illinois is a little thin, but, of course, Illinois is in numbers. Build the holes. Yeah, they're in a more patch patch kind of deal. All right, tomorrow we'll be in Grange Grove starting at 4 for Sports Talk. We'll talk okay. to you then, sir. I'll see you there. Hour two coming up WDWS Champagne Urbana.